Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Uh, today we're going to finish up the I'm Ready series and we're going to finish it up with a, a sermon about David uh, in Psalm 57 where he tied his future to the eternal purpose of God. He tied his future to the vision statement of heaven. Cover the earth with your glory. And God is going to, he's going to cover the earth with his glory. And if you tie your future to the purpose of God, you will serve his purpose in your generation. Come on, let's get right into the word. Look, I'm ready. So we showed you that little video, video clip. I hope you saw that. And that was our new location. Talked about Tommy Barnett, great pastor, First Assembly, Phoenix, Arizona. What a great guy. But he's in his 80s, and he's talking about wrapping up, you know, ministry, and he's being interviewed. And, and uh, this was the question. Looking back over all your years of ministry, what would you do different? And when I heard that question, I was just jacked up. Like, I want, wow. I mean, what would he do different? Because the guy has such a successful ministry. And here's what he said. Tommy Barnett said, he said, I would dream bigger, and I would risk more. You know, when he said that, it just, it just challenged something inside of me. I don't want my biggest challenges, my biggest risks to be, you know, two decades ago. What are we doing right now? How are we, how are we just stepping out in faith and risking things to do great things for God? So I really felt challenged, talked to our leadership, and I said, you know, I, I think we need to sell this building, leverage the finance we have here, and go bigger. We need to go bigger. And so we really decided to do that. So back, uh, these two right here, awesome couple, awesome couple. You know them, actually. That's actually me. That's me and my wife, Cheryl. You can tell early in ministry she wasn't that excited. Bit of a smirk there. I don't know. But anyway, that was my son, Dylan. We're dedicated 31 years ago. We've been here in London, and here we go. We're running hard. And we pastored this little church right here on Grosvenor, still on Grosvenor Street. And we came there. We had a little group of seniors. And we just uh, really believed God to do great things. And within a couple of years, we had over 200 people in that little building, and we were overrun. And that's when we decided to move down here. That's us right now. Looks exactly the same, don't we? Except look at me. Man, we need this thing to get over with, right? You can stay on this center one if you can, because that works really better for me. Because when you go over to that one, I'm hardly paying attention. Thank you. All right. So uh, that's us now. And the only thing you can see there is I really need a haircut. But that's the building we're in now. We feel like we've kind of done all we can do down here, and we still want to park in the community, but I think we need to move to somewhere else to get a bigger slice of the pie. We need to go somewhere else just to, because I think there's more people who need to experience uh, the vision, the revelation of what we have. So that's what we want to do. We want to build a, a great big structure like that, a global ministry center, because we do. We believe in, we got a global vision. We want to see God's glory fill the earth. So we can't do that right yet. So uh, we're going to look at doing some drawings and doing a design build. But right now, this spot right here, we have signed a lease on this place right here up the Zellers building. used to be the Zellers building, 1,200 commissioners in Pond Mills right there on the off-ramp of the Highbury Extension and Commissioner. And so we're going to be transforming that place. We're going to start doing drawings this week, and we're going to turn that into a ministry center where we're going to touch an awful lot of people. So hope you're excited about that. And that's why we're talking about this series, I'm Ready, because we're moving, and we are ready to go. And today is the last sermon in that series, I'm Ready to Go. David said, I'm I'm ready. God, I am so ready. I am ready from head to toe, ready to sing, ready to raise a tune. He was in a cave in a, in a difficult spot. I mean, the vision, the, the, the dreams, the hopes, the words over his life seemed to be, you know, challenged. But 
David said, I'm ready. I believe God, even if right now it looks ugly, looks messy, I have a focus on a preferred future, and I'm going to realize. And here's what he said twice in that psalm, verse 5 and verse 7. Here's what David did. He tucked it in. He said, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. In that psalm, in a difficult time, he confessed a preferred future, and he tied his destiny. He tied his everyday life and experience to God's future purpose and plan. So David tied him, little old David, he tied his individual life and what was going on in his world, he tied it to a preferred future, the very future of God himself, God's divine dream. The message says, cover the whole earth with your glory. Cover the whole earth with your glory. So how you see the future determines much of how you live your life right now. How you see God's purpose unfolding in the last days how you see God's purpose unfolding in the last days has a great effect on how you attempt to live your life in the present. How you see it unfolding, how you see God working and acting and his nature being manifest in these last days affects how you live right now. So as David tied his future, he tied his present, what you believe about the future is manifesting right now in your present. Acts 13, 36, now when David had served God's purpose, David served God's purpose. Are you serving God's purpose? If you're going to be serving God's purpose, you have to know what it is. You have to know uniquely what it is to you. But David tied his miserable days in the cave, his purpose being outworked in his life, he tied it to the glory of God. See, David served God's purpose in his own generation, and then he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. David served the purpose of God in his life, then he died. Are you serving the purpose of God today? Are you serving his purpose for your life today? Acts 319 to, to 21 says, Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing, I love that times, it's not a time, but times, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive. Whom heaven must receive. So here's Peter preaching that this Jesus, he's gone. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's gone. He's reigning on high. Heaven has received him, and it must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. So Jesus is in heaven until something occurs. Jesus is restrained in heaven. He cannot leave heaven now until something occurs. And it says until the times of the restoration of all things. The restoration of all all things. What things? Glad you asked that question. All things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So there are things that are in motion today. There are words from God that are seeking fulfillment in our day. And Jesus cannot return. Jesus and the whole outpouring of God, the whole last days, all that we're experiencing, Jesus cannot return. There will not be a second coming of Christ until every word from all his holy prophets since the world began. Since the world began, it goes all the way back to Adam, it goes back to Enoch, it goes back to, to Moses, it goes back to all the prophets who prophesied. So restoration, that word means from apo and kathestomy, which is to set in order. So it's gonna, everything is going to be set back in order again. The Thayer's Greek lexicon says the restoration not only of a true theocracy, a theocracy where God, not a, not a democracy, but a theocracy where God's government is in manifestation, but also that more perfect state even physical things which existed before the fall so jesus is being held until the restoration of all these words of everything that's been spoken
broken of the purpose of God. God's not going to go, well, we tried, didn't quite get it done. Go ahead, Jesus. Jesus is, is held there until all these things are restored. So we got to know what some of those things are because he's going to establish that theocracy. So you look at the vision of God. Numbers 14, 21. I love this passage. I mean, God has had enough. He's brought these people out to bring them into the promised land, and they're like, yeah. We're not going in. We're afraid. He's like, he loses it. Literally, God's like, enough already. I am tired of these people. He says, Moses, move away from them. I'll start over with you. And he's going to wipe out all these people that he delivered. Wow, pretty amazing story. All right? But here's God. And Moses says, no, that's not going to look good. I mean, you brought us out of Egypt. What are all the nations going to think if you bring people out and then, you know, you don't take them into their fullness? And it says that God said, at your word, Moses, I'm going to respond to your word. And here's what he said. He says, but I'll tell you this, Moses, even though this is messed up and looks really goofed up, I'll tell you what is going to happen. This is God saying. This is God saying, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it's going to be to make it happen, but as truly as I live, says the Lord, as truly as I live, the earth shall be filled with my glory. So God is saying, I'm going to get my purpose fulfilled in the earth, and I'm going to do it through people. I'm going to work with a group of people, but I am not going to quit until my dream, my purpose, my glory fills the whole earth. So what is the vision statement of God? What is the eternal purpose of God? What is God trying to do? It's cried out all around the throne every day, every single day. I mean, uh, Isaiah got a, a vision. He was lifted up into the throne room of God. And when he was there, here's what he heard. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth full of his glory. See, if you got the authorized version or King James version, you'll see that the is is in, in italics. And if you read the, the first part of the Bible, before you get into it, it tells you how to read it. And it tells you that anything in italics was never in the original. It's added for flow. But really what it says, the earth full of his glory. So the angels back and forth are crying out, earth full of his glory, earth full of his glory, earth full of his glory earth full of his glory. They're crying, holy, 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 earth full of his glory. See, that's the cry of heaven. There's, it's not going to stop. All of heaven, all the angels know that God is invested in this one purpose and vision. The earth is going to be full of the glory of God. And that's what God wants to do. And it's going to happen because he said, as surely as I live, it's going to happen. So there's God himself giving a prophetic word in the book of Numbers saying, I'm telling you something. Here's what's going to happen in the future. The glory of God is going to fill all the earth. Let me pause and take a breath right there. Isaiah 40, verse 5, it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. See, here's the prophet saying, The mouth of the Lord has spoken this, and we are all going to fall in line with this, and all flesh, pinch yourself, that's flesh, pinch your dog, woof, and boom, that's flesh, all flesh, everything in the world, there's going to be an undeniable, powerful revelation of the glory of God, which is what? The goodness of God. The good news of God, the love of God, the grace of our Father. I mean, when Moses said, show me your glory, he said, I will let my goodness 
pass before you. The glory of God is a massive revelation of his beautiful, wonderful, sloppy love for mankind. And we're going to feel the weighty, heavy glory of God all over the globe. And Jesus, heaven has to receive him until the restoration of these things. These words seek fulfillment. Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. The Lord said, write the vision and make it plain that he who reads it or he who runs can read it. So it's really clear. Even if you're running, you can get it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Say appointed time. It's an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak. At the end, it will speak. What I have shared, the vision that I have, what I desire to do, it's going to happen. He says, and it will not lie, even if it tarries, even if it seems like this isn't happening, it's tarrying, what's going on? He says, even if it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Can I get an amen? It's surely going to come. He says, it will come to pass, it will will speak. So here, if you follow through in Habakkuk and you follow through and find out what is the vision he's talking about, my favorite verse in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a great verse. The earth shall be filled with the glory. Filled is saturated, filled. It's like to the top, I mean, soaked. I mean, it's going to be not a little bit, not partly, but just absolutely overrun, saturated with, and not with just the glory, but the knowledge of the glory. And the knowledge is yada, which means an intimate, tangible glory of God. I mean, it's, it's not, oh, was that the glory of God? You're going to know it. All flesh will experience together. It's going to impact every single living thing. Everybody is going to experience an incredible, heavy manifestation of the glory of God. How do I know it's going to be heavy and weighty? Because he says, he describes what it's like. He says, what's it like? It's like the water covering the sea. And you know what? How does the water cover the sea? It's heavy. If you go down low, there's pressure, and there's pressure. So there's a heavy, weighty pressure. If you go down low enough in the ocean, pressure can totally crush things. But the heavy, weighty glory of God is going to be experienced by all of mankind. And before the king of glory comes, the glory of God is going to fill this earth. Before the Holy One can come and fill this place, the holy, saturated, glorious presence of God is going to be so prepared for his arrival. The earth, filled with the glory of God, is the mission state of heaven. Isaiah also says, now this is about Christ and his birth, and it says when he comes, it's, he's, going to, he's going to fill the earth. It says the kingdom of God is like yeast, and when it gets in, it's going to continue to creep on until it fills everything in every way. It's not going to be a kingdom that just barely affects the world. It's not going to be a kingdom that, you know, you know, co-inhabits with the world. It's going to be a kingdom that saturates every aspect of life. It says of the increase of his government and peace. This is Jesus coming at, his, at the advent, the first advent. Jesus coming, it says, of the increase of his government, his reign, his rule, his theocracy, of the increase of it, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever, forever. So how long is this going to happen? How long will his government and his peace increase? How long will it grow and expand? Forever. It's never going to cease to grow and expand and increase from that time forward, even forever. And what's going to do it? A type of the Holy Spirit. This is a type of the Holy Spirit, the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The whole Godhead is completely committed to bringing this heavenly vision to path, earth full of his glory. 
So that's what I love about David is David in a very difficult time in a difficult spot. Twice in that little song, he cried out, your glory covers the earth. Your glory covers the earth. You know, when you're in a tough spot, attach yourself to the divine eternal purpose of God that you are engaged in, that he has involved you in, that your partnership is in the earth full of his glory. Whatever you're going through, let the future be your present and let that be manifest strongly in your life and let it be a transforming force in your world like it was for David. We believe for the glory of God. Pastor's not getting better. I mean, you know, it's going to get worse and worse in the end. It's, it's just, it's going to get badder and badder. And I mean, the devil, he's just working real hard. I mean, there's terrible stuff going on. Haven't you watched the news? Now we got, again, we got problems with Israel, Pastor. This could be it. And you know what it could be? I'll tell you, this could be the last days. Whether it is the last days or not, it's our last days. This is it for us. I mean, this is our opportunity to impact the world for God's glory. But, you know, things are getting better. If you back up a bit, back away from, from the little silo that you're in and take a look, there are good things happening in the earth. Press release, 2018, about half the world's countries now have poverty rates of below 3%. In the 25 years from 1990 to 2015, the extreme poverty rate dropped an average of a percentage point a year from nearly 36% to 10%. And that's from the World Bank. The World Bank said, you know what? People are coming out of poverty. People are stepping into a realm of blessing. You know what? If you were in extreme poverty and your life has changed, you know what that means? Things are getting better. Now, I know you look at the news and you can see things that aren't getting better, but you know what? Overall, things are changing in the world. More and more people are coming out of hopeless situations. Uh, violence. This was Harvard professor Steven Pinker, and it still gets quoted. It's from his course, A History of Violence, Edge Master Class, 2011. Here's what he said. Violence has been in decline over long stretches of time. We may be living in the most peaceful time of our species' existence. You know, over thousands of years where we are living right now, I know that we hear about conflict with social media and so much access to news all the time. It seems it's all we hear about conflict. But when you study the history of mankind, he says, looking at this, studying it, you have to come to the conclusion we may be living in what is maybe the most peaceful time of our existence as a species. And I know you're like, Pastor, haven't you seen the news? What's going on in Israel? And what's happened in Israel is very, very important. But, you know, we've had these things happen years before. We've had these crises with Israel before. And, you know, this could be the last one. This could be it. This could be your last days. But I tell you, if they are our last days, let's not get distracted with fear. Let's not get distracted with what the enemy's doing. Let's not get distracted with the false message of batter and batter because the vision of heaven is gooder and gooder. The vision of heaven is, as surely as I live, says the Lord, the earth is is going to be filled and saturated with my goodness. Don't embrace a false narrative. Keep yourself fixed in the narrative of God, the narrative of the Word of God. Keep yourself tied to the divine vision statement of heaven, earth filled with my glory. Don't get distracted. I'm, I'm desperate that people don't get distracted today. Life expectancy for men in Canada in 1920 was 58. 2020, it's 81. I mean, people are living longer. People are actually getting healthier. I know you say, well, there's a pandemic. We've had pandemics before. These things happen. Sadly, we're going through one. It's my first pandemic. You know, life expectancy for women in Canada. In 1920, it was 60. 2020, it's 87.3. All over the globe, people are healthier. They're living longer. They're getting fresh water. They're getting delivered from poverty. And things are getting better globally. I tell you, God is at work for good right now. And I tell you, he's doing 
doing great and incredible things. John 14, 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God becoming a man means that he cares about humanity, not only humanity, but he cares about all physical substance. God wants to see the world. He wants to see a transformation. All those words. He wants to see the earth, not just the men and women in it, but the earth itself. He wants to see it broken from the affliction that it's in, and he wants to set even creation free. But when Jesus came and he became one with creation, there was a bold declaration that I am going to redeem every single minute uh, atom, every bit of, of, of substance. He says, bang, it's going to be transformed. I'm going to have my way. My original intention and design is going to be manifest, says the Lord. And it says, they dwelt, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want to say, what's the word say? That's the word. That's what the Word says. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When God wanted to speak to us with Logos, it says the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. God is clearly speaking. Jesus is the absolute perfect Word of God. Jesus is absolute true theology. And Jesus came to bring glory. Matthew 16, 18, here's what Jesus said. This is his prophecy of the future. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his body, his living organism in the earth today that has become a powerful transforming influence in the earth. Jesus is engaged right now in establishing his government. Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We are, as David said, your glory fills the earth. We as the people of God, your glory fills the earth. This isn't time to get distracted and get saddened by, you know, the way things are going on in the world. This is time to bear down hard and partner with the purpose of God in our day. He said, Jesus Christ, every generation, forever and ever, amen. Colossians 1.27, what are the riches of his glory? What's the mystery? What is it? It used to be a mystery. It's not anymore, because here it is. Paul's going to tell you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. How we're going to realize the mission statement of heaven? How's God going to wrap it all up and package it and manifest his glory? How's he going to do it? Christ in you. And that you is not an individual. It's not a person. That you is a corporate body. It's plural. It means Christ in this redeemed community is going to manifest the glory of God in the earth. Matthew 24, 21. Oh, man, I'm going really fast. Turn in a hard corner now. Stay with me. You ready? We're talking about the glory of God. But Matthew 24, 21 says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. That was a hard corner right there. Boom. I'm coming up to Jesus teaching the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said this. He said, he said, that tribulation, he's talking about a tribulation, a great tribulation. And he said, that tribulation that he's talking about, it'll be the worst the world has ever seen, and the world will never see one like it again. So Jesus is talking about a time of unprecedented anguish that's going to take place. See, because there's a lot of people today that talk about, but the great tribulation, Pastor. I mean, it's going to get bad. There's going to be a day where things get horrible. Well, Jesus was talking about that day. And he said, this day, it'll be worse than ever before, but there'll never be a day like it again. Never a day like it again. Now, I really believe when you study Matthew 24, he gives you a list of 10 signs that connect with the great tribulation. And all of them are fulfilled by A.D. 70, every one of them. They were all fulfilled by that time. So when people think about in the last days, it's going to get awful, it's going to get ugly, things are getting awful. Things are getting ugly. But you know what? We have a responsibility in the pressure of our day, just like David served his generation. We've got to serve our generation with the mission of heaven. The glory of the Lord fills the earth. 
We got to stay focused on that. And you're not going to do that if you got a future vision of hopelessness and despair and it's all bad. You see, now, now look, I'll, let, me, let me say this. I'm a historical, I have a historical view of Revelation and the Olivet Discourse. I really do. So I see it as historically fulfilled. Now, uh, not all of it. There's some that still awaits the fulfillment, the second coming of Christ and all those things. But let's say that I, I were a futurist. Many people are future. Many of my best friends still believe in the future unfolding. Many believe that there still is a great tribulation in the future. Many of my friends, one of my most important mentors in my life is a futurist. And it's okay. And we can all get along. So it's okay. But I want to clear something up even for futurists, all right? So how do you know we are not going to, how do you know we are not in the great tribulation right now? How do you know that? Why am I asking you this? Because people are asking me about it. People are calling the church and saying, are we going to get the mark of the beast? Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Are these the last days? Are we entering into the great tribulation? And unfortunately, we're able to see so many things on YouTube and people with their 10-minute posts and we have people who don't have theological degrees having dreams and visions and telling us about what God's doing and there's so much mess out there that it gets a little bit confusing. I don't know about you but I just watch a bit and I'm like wow there are a lot of opinions about all this. Sadly there's many people who don't have theological degrees who say all manner of things that aren't grounded in scripture and it's very very sad. That'd be kind of like saying I need my appendix out and getting it done by a ice cream salesman you know it, you need a you need a professional you need like a real doctor you, you don't want an ice cream salesman to be tearing out your panic but you can search this stuff out you can search out the scripture it says you don't need to be ashamed be someone who is a good steward a workman who rightly divides the word of truth there's shame when you don't divide the word right because you come to the wrong conclusions but listen if you're a futurist i'm okay with that and, and futurists could be absolutely right and i'm okay with that but this is something true about the great tribulation are you ready how do you know we are not in the great tribulation right now because we're still here ready because we're still here you ready because we're still here if we are still here we have not entered into the great tribulation even if i were to say the great tribulation is in the future you're not going to experience it as a believer. Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10 says, you turn to God from idols, serving the living and true God. Thessalonians, this church, all about. They got saved right away, but they believed everything was wrapping up really, really quick. So Paul had to write to them about the end times and how things would unfold in the end times just to settle them down and ground them. But he said, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. We're waiting because heaven keeps him until the restoration of all things spoken by the prophets. So here you are, you're waiting now for for a son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. If you look in Revelation, tribulation, the same word is used, the wrath. You see, Jesus came to deliver us. You are delivered from the wrath to come. You are delivered from that. First Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us that whether we are asleep or should live, that wake or asleep, we should live together with him. That's those who have died and those who are still alive. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing now. So let me comfort you with the word. You are not going to go through the tribulation. 
See, that's why he wrote that, so that you could be comforted. Would you be comforted by a word if I said, you know, we're going to go through the great tribulation. A lot of you are going to be beheaded. A lot of you are going to go through unbelievable pain. A lot of you are going to be screaming out, crying out, where is God? Why am I going through this? Where is the goodness of God? It'll be a painful, ugly, messy time. And many people will turn away from God. Many people, you know, are just, they're going to ask the rocks to fall on top of them because you're going to go through a period of unbelievable pain and agony. Comfort each other with these words. That's not a comforting word. Here's a comforting word. He has not appointed us to wrath. There's a comforting word. You want to comfort somebody right now? You're not going to go through the great tribulation. You're not. And, and you know what? You don't have to worry about the mark of the beast because all of that stuff, the antichrist and all of that stuff, that all unfolds in the great tribulation. So if all of that is after you've been removed from the situation, why are you fearful? Why are you distracted? Why are you studying that stuff when you need to be sharing the goodness of God with your neighbor? That's what we need to be doing. We really, really do. All right. Luke 17, 26 to 30. And as it was on the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People are just living. They're carrying on with life. They ate. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day. Say the day. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Boom. That day when the door was shut, it was over. And it was a day. Before that, everybody was carrying on like normal. Everything was carrying on. People eating, drinking, marrying, carrying on, doing life. And then all of a sudden, boom, the day came. And it was sudden. It was just boom. This is Jesus talking. He says, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day, say the day. On the day, it was in the days of, but there was a day. On the day that Lot came out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. On the day that Lot came out. See, the, the judgment, the wrath, all those things that happened, you see, it could not happen with Lot in there. Lot had to be removed. Jesus is saying something had to happen. There had to be a removal for that to take place. Even so, it will be in the day. It'll be just like that on that day, on that day when the Son of Man is revealed. So what I'm saying is, look, if you've got... If you got a God who says, I'm going to bring you to the marriage supper of the Lamb, it says, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring you to myself. But before I bring you to myself, I'm going to hand you over to another guy for seven years to beat you, to abuse you, to make your life horrible, to cause fear and destruction, so you'll really appreciate when you're married to me. Like, that's crazy town. That's just rubbish. I mean, that's not going to happen. When he comes, he's going to take us and enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be that transformation that happens instantly, and it happens on the day. The day. Here's, here's uh, the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, the seven major feasts. The three major feasts are Passover and Pentecost and harvest, or, or tabernacles. Now, the first two have been fully fulfilled, already done, totally fulfilled. And the interesting thing about them is each of these was fulfilled on a day. Each fulfilled on a day. Very interesting. Redemption took place when Jesus died. Righteousness was manifest because sin couldn't hold him because he was righteous. Righteousness was revealed. Jesus was, was his burial happened on unleavened bread. First fruits, though, we preached on that at Resurrection Sunday. Jesus was risen. It was first fruits. And as they were waving the first fruits, Jesus went before the Father and stood in the presence of the Father as the first fruits of many brethren. And all of it was fulfilled in a day. Then there was Pentecost on that day, the exact day, on the 50th day after Jesus was resurrected. Boom, the 50, bang. There it was. The body of Christ was born. Jesus' body was formed. Jesus' body was called out in the earth. The next thing we're waiting for is trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. 
Trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. We're waiting for the last feast, the feast that is the feast of harvest. It's a feast of incredible ingathering. It's a feast of the miraculous. It's a feast of incredible things. And what happens there is rapture or regathering or reconstitution. There's a lot of different ways to interpret that. But if you're a futurist, you interpret that as the rapture. The trumpets will sound. There's going to be a rapture. And Jesus calls his people to himself. There's atonement. There's the restoration of all things. Jesus comes as king. Then there's tabernacles. There's rejoicing. Jesus Rain comes into full manifestation. So there's all those wonderful things. So it's a timeline of what God is doing in the earth. And so often it all happened on a day. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. I'm going to tell you a mystery. A lot of people have died. Some people aren't going to die. There's going to be some people alive at the coming of Jesus. I want to be one of those, don't you? I want to be one of those who sees this whole thing come down. It says, You will not all sleep. Not all but you'll change in a moment. The word moment is atomus, atomus. And that word means it's, it's such a fraction. It's such a small fraction that you can't even measure it. It's just like, boom. I mean, I can give you a measure of time, one. I could say a second, one second. That's a measure of time. But it says, in an atomus, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, see, in the feast of trumpets, there's 100 trumpets, and the last one is a big blast. It says, at the sound of that last trumpet, it says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed and transformed in the twinkling of an eye, caught up with him, transformed and return with him to reign and to manifest his goodness and his glory. It is so incredible. And you know what? We might actually be in that season. We could be in that place where it very well could be the last days. It could be time for Jesus to return. My only thing with that is, is that I, and it's just simple old me, it's just little old Carl, it's just my little head, but I don't know that the whole earth is seeing a great manifestation of his goodness. I don't know that that word that seeks fulfillment today, the weighty glory of God filling the earth. I mean, every person you know, your neighbors, the people you work with, your families, every person saying, what is that? What do I feel? What is this pressure? What is this manifestation? What is it that I feel? I, I just feel overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I don't have all my neighbors. I don't have all the people I work with. I don't have all of them going, what is going on? There is going to be a powerful manifestation of God. But I yield to this. It could happen very, very quickly. See, all of these things were fulfilled in a day, and it could happen very, very fast. But I tell you, if it happens very, very fast, once it's done, you better embrace it. Everybody better be prepared for it, because just like the door was open, Noah got in, bam, the door was shut. There really is a day when the period, that open door is closed, and it's done, and Jesus comes. And what did you do with Jesus? But I believe he wants every person, he wants to convince every person of his love. He wants to convince every person of his goodness. He's, he, it is his will that none should perish but all come to eternal life and i really feel that if he came right now and he, he can i could be absolutely wrong it could happen any moment now but i believe oh god let there be a greater demonstration of you oh god let your glory fill the earth let there be an unmistakable revelation of god i don't want people to be able to i could take it or leave it i want them to feel i take it that is so powerful there's such a genuine expression of him that i it's overcome me and he's overcome us with a demonstration of his goodness he's 
he's convinced us that he's a wonderful, loving God. And I believe that has to happen. And that's what I'm talking about today is that before the king of glory comes, the glory of the Lord has to saturate the whole earth. It seeks fulfillment today. But it says that that last trumpet, it'll happen. Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, he's talking about that day. He's talking about a day, and that's really going to happen. The Feast of Trumpets this year, and you know, if it all happened in a day, if every single feast, it was specifically on a day, and it was on the Jewish calendar, every one of them happened exactly, specifically on the Jewish calendar. When the priest was taking the blood of the Lamb into the Holy of Holies, Jesus was being given out on the Mount of Crucifixion, and when he died and his blood was shed, the veil was rent from top to bottom, and you see, that happened on Passover. So our redemption was fulfilled on the day. Everything happened on the day and if 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 the timetable of god is the feast then sunset september 6 2021 the rapture is going to take place actually i don't know it's somewhere between september 6 and september 8 because the feast of trumpets lasts two days it lasts two days so somewhere when the last trumpet is sound on that feast and this year this year if there's going to be a rapture it's going to happen september 6 to september 8 2021 so get your rapture boots ready for September the 6th to 8th because that's when it's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know that it's going to happen. I'm just saying the pattern that we observe in the Scripture and we observe in church history, it did happen because Jesus said that day. It was in the days of, in the days of, but in the day, that day, that day, he's going to come, that day. But I'm saying all of this mostly to tell you that the sign of the beast, the great tribulation, all of those things, you know, if you're a futurist and you believe that, and if I were a futurist, I really believe Scripture clearly says that the rapture will happen before the great tribulation. Therefore, don't get bogged down and messed up and lost with all of that. I don't know, 21, 22, 23, I think it's a little further out personally because I really believe there's a lot of work still to be done on planet Earth. There's a lot of people still to come to Jesus. There's a lot of revelation of his goodness and grace that still has to be manifest. So I believe it's a little more. I want to finish with this. Can I finish with this? Are you ready? Isaiah 61 to 3 says, Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And if you read the rest of that, it says, it says when you rise, it says the Gentiles are going to come to your light. It says many kings will come to your rising. It talks about an incredible preferred future where the glory of God is manifest. And here's what it also says. In that time, yeah. There's going to be gross darkness. There's going to be darkness covers the people. But upon you, a light is going to rise. You know, there's going to be dark times. There's going to be difficult times. But you know what? Don't focus on the darkness. Focus on what God has done for you. Focus on the fact that you got glory on the inside of you. The Living Bible, I love it. It's a paraphrase, but I love the way it translates verse 1. Arise, my people. Let your light shine for all the nations to see. What should we be doing? Even in a time of darkness, even in a time of confusion, what do we need? Don't focus on the darkness. Don't focus on the nonsense. Let the light shine. Let the light be revealed. Arise, my people. Let your light shine for all the nations to see, for the glory of the Lord is streaming from you. It's streaming from you. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. And you see, there are streams, there are rivers that flow from the body of Christ that bring healing and the purpose of God into manifestation in the nations. What do we need to be doing right now? Shining. 
What do we need to be doing right now? Shining. Well, what's shining mean? It means loving. It means being kind. It means being good. It means being hopeful. It means not being selfish. It means not clinging to, you know, having your own way and all that stuff. It's demonstrating a different spirit. It's demonstrating the spirit of God. It's overcoming evil with God good. It's not getting bogged down and arguing all the nonsense and the silly details, but it's loving the person in front of you right now, today, intentionally saying, I am, even if I'm in trouble, even if I'm in a hard spot, I tie my life, I tie my future, I tie all I am to this one thing. The earth is filled with your glory. As David cried out in that difficult spot and he tied his destiny, he saw a preferred future. You need to see a preferred future. Don't let the devil suck you into nonsense. Believe the very best today because what you believe about what's unfolding right now is affecting your present and it's affecting you right now and it shows. Be tied to this. The Lord said, the vision may tarry, but it's surely going to come to pass. It speaks and it will do what I told it to do. And what is the vision? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. Bam. That's it. And what are we supposed to do? Come on, arise, shine. We're going to move to another community. We're going to shine in that community. We're going to loose the goodness of God and glory of God in that community. And we're going to see a harvest like you've never seen before. There are, are manifestations of God's power and purpose that have yet to be revealed. He's going to do bigger, more incredible things than he's ever done before. And I believe that because I am convinced that he wants to bring many sons to glory. Many sons. And so I think the harvest is going to be huge. And I want to be a part of that. And that's why we're on the move. And that's why we don't want to just see, you know, one building. We want to see multiple buildings. We want to see our Toronto church, Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. We want to see communities all over Canada where the power and the glory and the goodness of God is manifest. Not with a bad news message, not with a hopeless, grumpy, selfish people, but a people that are freely receiving and freely giving of the generosity and the love of God. So there it is. Now, I hope that was helpful, but I'm ready. I'm ready. And your readiness is, is tied to how you see things you know, all falling together in the end. Are you ready? If you're ready, come on. It's time to arise and shine. It's time to demonstrate the goodness of God in a big, big way. Let me wrap it up. Are you ready? Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're watching this tomorrow, three days from now, maybe whenever. Maybe you're, whatever you're doing, you're saying, man, I want to be a part of that. You know, there is going to come that day. There's going to come the day where the trumpet does sound. And it's going to be the rapture. There's going to be a catching up. There's going to be, I believe it's going to be an immediate catching up and transformation. And we're going to come and reign and rule with the second coming of Christ. But, you know, that day will happen. And when that day happens, that's it. When that day happens, Christ has come. But before that day comes, I want to make sure that everybody embraces the goodness of God. I don't make sure you do. And this isn't a fearful thing or a terrible thing. I want to tell you how much God loves you, and I want you to embrace that right now. God has forgiven you. God has healed you. God has set you free. Would you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Would you acknowledge him in your life and say, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray people watching right now that would just simply say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me and setting me free. I receive you right now as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for us, Impact Church, the body of Christ, our impact world, that ever-expanding expression of you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that uh, we would tie ourselves to your vision, that we would tie ourselves 
clearly to your purpose, that we wouldn't get distracted and, and miss what you're doing today and miss our opportunity to partner with you in good things. But I pray, Father, you'd captivate each and every one of us with the good news of God, with the wonderful glory of God, and that we would be about your business demonstrating your goodness. So bless Impact Church. I pray every single one in our community is healed and blessed and satisfied and manifesting the goodness of God every day. So, Father, we honor it all. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, look, we're still going to have uh, online. You can still go to the lobby. If you want prayer on our main page, our website, impactlondon.ca, you can go to that website, and if you click the VIP pass there, you can go and get prayer. You could fill out a contact card. You could let us know that you watched today and you want more information. You want us to partner with you on your journey of unpacking all that Jesus is. We would love to do that.